and welcome to So You Want to Be an Engineer. I'm Katie Douglas, Director of Engineering at St Paul's School, and on behalf of the Engineering Society, I'm delighted to welcome Steve Scott to the show. Steve is a civil and structural engineer and works for Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Steve. Uh, you're welcome, Katie. I'm, I'm glad to take part and I'm looking forward to the chat. So I think we'll start off with actually asking what, what actually is your job? What is it that you do? Well, I'm a civil and structural engineer, but within that huge family of civil and structural engineers, I actually sit in a subgroup that specialises in bridge engineering. And even further within that subgroup, I sit in a little group of what's called bridge assessment engineers. Now, they're slightly different to bridge designers. Bridge designers do the obvious and they design new bridges. What a bridge assessment engineer does is they back analyze existing structures to calculate a current capacity. So basically, what load can this existing bridge carry safely? Me personally, I work for Network Rail on behalf of Network Rail, and I structurally assess railway bridges built between 1850 and 1970. And based on our structural assessment and the capacity that we provide, it informs Network Rail whether the bridge is okay, whether they need to repair the bridge, strengthen the bridge or reconstruct the bridge. It's very interesting work what I do. You're always faced with um, different bridges, different problems to solve. Engineers that have done both sides, both design and assessment, often argue that assessment is actually harder, yet more interesting than design. Because you're often playing detective you have to work out the structural arrangement of a bridge and work out its construction sequence. And you have to manipulate existing and current design principles and current design rules to suit bridges that were designed to different design philosophies. It's quite complex work, but it, it's very interesting and it keeps you on your toes. It's very interesting stuff. It sounds like it. I was just thinking it's probably actually quite similar because obviously we were right by Hammersmith Bridge, which got closed down. And, and so would, would one of your colleagues or like somebody in the same field of you had assessed Hammersmith Bridge and gone, this bridge is no longer safe to keep open? It's exactly what we do and the, exactly the process I've just tried to describe that us as engineers would go out and inspect the bridge as part of a routine inspection regime that all asset managers like Hammersmith and Fulham Council have to adhere to. And we would have spotted those defects from memory with the hairline cracks in the cast iron columns. I believe there was. Yes. Yeah, I think that was it from reading the engineering papers. So we would have spotted those defects, informed Hammersmith and Fulham Council saying, look, this is serious, some serious defects here. We believe the current capacity of the bridge is compromised to carry traffic safely. And on, that, on our recommendation, Hammersmith and Fulham Council have therefore closed the bridge. It's exactly the same process we have with Network Rail with railway bridges. So, yes, that's a good example, Katie. So what kind of qualifications did you need in order to become a civil and structural engineer? Well, a lot of engineers come in with engineering degrees, civil engineering degrees. Those degrees are either three year full time to get a BNG or a BSc or four years full time to get a, an MSc or an MNG. That's what most people coming into the industry have or do. Me personally, I, I became a civil engineer quite late in life. So I actually did a part-time degree, day release. So I worked for four days a week and did a day at university and did that over five years. 
it was a hard way to do it in terms of the workload sometimes, but I think it made me a better engineer because it was a nice circle in terms of what I learned at college I was applying at work and what I learned at work I was applying at college and it was like a, a, a brilliant circle going round and around and around and so over five years when I finished my degree I was already operating as a, a good engineer so that's the way I did it. There are other routes to um, to be an engineer you don't have to, to get a degree as I say some people join the industry as a trainee technician and, and do things part-time as I've done. That's really interesting. So it's, it's it's not just like that one set route. There's lots of different ways of getting into engineering and becoming an engineer. Yes, there is. Yes, yes. So obviously you're inspecting these bridges and you're looking at trying to work out if they're still safe. So what does your typical day at work look like? What sort of things are you doing? My day actually forms sort of two broad categories. I'm either on site or in the office. And that's actually brilliant. And that's one of the things I love about my job is that you're not confined to one working environment. And because Network Rail give us a work bank of structures every year, we're quite savvy in that we program our inspections for the summertime. So when the the weather's nice, we're out and about in the summer doing inspections. And then when it's cold and not so nice in the winter, we're back in the office doing the calculations and the sums based on those inspections. Very so, clever. Yes, yes, it's we, we do it. We do it well. <laughs> we're not we're not daft. Um, on site, um, what we do is we use access equipment to get to the, get to different parts of the bridge and measure them to confirm structural arrangement of the bridge, its dimensions, and confirm the record drawings if we have them. And also look for defects like the Hammersmith and Fulham Bridge. We always look for potential defects. In the office, we do a whole variety of things. We do drawings through AutoCAD or MicroStation. We do calculations. They can be the like good old hand calculations with a calculator and a pencil. There's nothing wrong with those. Or more nowadays, we're using the power of computers. And we often build 3D models of the structures in a computer and analyze them to destruction. And that gives us the load carrying capacity of the structure. We do reports and technical meetings and desk studies. I do lots of different things day to day, which again is one of the things I love about the job. I'm, I'm always doing different things and it keeps it varied and it keeps it interesting. There's always different projects and different problems. I'm always learning. I've been doing this for 15 years now and you're constantly learning and improving and learning new things. It's a great career. I love what I do. I'm very lucky. I know that comes across. It sounds really interesting. So when you're going on site, do you have like a, a set area of the UK that you work with or is it quite large? Is it quite small? Yes, the, the network rail portfolio of assets is to is split into different regions. So our particular region is London North East route, it's called. And we look after the structures on the eastern side of the UK, anywhere from the throat of King's Cross Station right up to the border of Scotland at Berwick-upon-Tweed. So we look after the east side of the country. So there's a lot of travelling involved. That's a huge area to cover. Yes. Do you have have a big team? Is it a small team? I mean, how does it get divided up? We have a, a northern team and a southern team. So I'm in the northern team in York and we have a southern team in Crawley. And we kind of split the structures based on geographic locations to save on travel time and convenience. Sometimes I do go down to London to work when it's necessary, when it's a structure that I specialise in. So we th- there is variations on that as well. 
So just thinking about, because obviously you deal with a lot of very old bridges, do you have to have quite like a knowledge of historical design and history? Does, does that come into it as well? It certainly does. Obviously, you start by knowing nothing. And after a few years, you suddenly start appreciating how the Victorians designed and constructed these bridges. For example, believe it or not, we work in Imperial. When we're on site measuring bridges, we measure them in feet and inches because that's how they were designed. We, we look at rivet pitch at four inch pitch and we do girders at 32 foot long. So we confirm dimensions in Imperial because that's what it was built in. And you, you do get an appreciation of how the Victorians put these bridges together and the structural arrangement that, that was common in that period. My specialism is masonry arch bridges. And I work on these beautiful multi-span masonry arch structures, like 40 span structures. And I think it's a privilege going into work every day and being part of a team that sustains these beautiful old grade two listed structures for years to come because a lot of the structures we deal with are listed so we can't just say to network rail oh this this structure's failing you need to reconstruct we need to be cleverer than that we need to say well this structure's failing and come up with clever strengthening and, and repair schemes to sustain the structure and maintain it in a sustainable manner so it's, it's not black and white. You have to be very thoughtful about the, the type of structure and it, its importance, its, its heritage importance as well. So of all the bridges that you, you look after, do you have a favourite bridge? I do have a favourite bridge, yes. My pet bridge is a structure called Yarm Viaduct. It's a 43-span masonry arch viaduct that spans the town of Yarm up near Middlesbrough. And I've been working on that project on and off now since 2013. 13 yeah so the best part of seven years and I'm, I'm still going on that bridge i'm still working on it and it's 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 kind of my bridge I, it's, i've been doing that for the past seven years on and off so that's that's my favorite bridge definitely that's so cool so obviously you're very passionate about what you do i wondered if you had any kind of recommendations for pupils who are also thinking i, I think i like engineering i think i might want to become an engineer what kind of stuff should they be thinking about well, you know, you know what? The main thing for me is just an interest in how things work and big stuff. I'm one of those people that loves the programs like Grand Designs and the big engineering projects on telly. If you've got a, just a, a general passion for these old structures, well, any structures, if you walk into St Pancras Station and you look up at that Barlow train shed roof and you think, wow, I get to structurally assess that and work on that and things like that. It's just a general passion for buildings and structures and big things on a more practical level, of course. Uh, you know, what you actually need is a math subject is the, the main one for engineering, because we do do a lot of mathematics and sums to calculate capacity. In terms of getting a better idea of what it takes to be an engineer, young people could always do an internship during the summer holidays. Employers often look for summer placement students. One thing that I do as well, I'm a STEM ambassador. So I try and go into schools and inform children about my particular role in engineering and what I do. One thing I've heard about, I haven't done it myself, is something called STEM speed dating. So perhaps um, the students could look for something like this. And it's almost like a career fair. So many engineers turn up in a room and then 
the students go around and spend five or ten minutes with each engineer and talk to them personally and get an idea of what they do. Similar to these podcasts, I suppose. Yeah, it's such a good idea to actually be able to speak to all those different kinds of engineers. Yeah. Yeah, just maths and a general interest in how things work and big things. I, I'm lucky enough to have travelled quite a bit over the last few years. And fortunately, I have a, a very to- tolerable wife in terms of me seeking out these big bridges and stations and trains on our, our summer trips. Because I'm just, um, it's amazing and fascinating. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to have a, such a understanding wife, let's say. I think that's really interesting to hear. And it's so nice to see somebody who's so passionate about what they do. And I really hope that the pupils will, will go and look at this further. I think it's really interesting. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and telling us about what you do. That was great. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. So You Want to Be an Engineer is produced by Katie Douglas, edited by Arthur Jenkins, and is a production of the St Paul's School Engineering Society. If you would like to get involved with the podcast or with Engineering Society, then please contact us. Details in the description. Music